Princess here, and welcome to another episode of By Pumpkin. It's been a week. Um, you may have noticed that I am not tweeting right now. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at OKThenPrincess, okay and I use I use Twitter more. I just mostly tweet about whatever dumb shit I'm thinking about. If I'm deciding to spiral, that's where I'll do it. And, um... Yeah, you know, just like whatever TV I'm watching or book or whatever. Um, like, I would love, like today I caught up with uh, This Is Us. I would love to tweet about how that is Randall's show. It is all about Randall. And it's so interesting that they keep trying to tell us about this these Kevin and Kate people because we don't care about those people. We only care about Randall. Like, I would love to tweet about that, but I can't. And the reason is this. Um, you guys know there are only two reality TV shows in which I don't want to hear no dirt about. And that is The Little Couple and, uh, The Prophet. Marcus Limonis. Well, one of my listeners, and I'm sorry, I've just forgotten your name, and I can't look on Twitter because I deleted the fucking app, (laughs) tweeted me about uh, Marcus Lemonis because the prophet is no longer on. Um, it, I, it, they've been doing different types of episodes where mostly they look back and he was doing more general episodes as opposed to, to one, uh, business that he was going to. And I knew it was coming to an end. I just don't think he had the time and I don't think he really wanted to do it anymore. Um, so, but there was a new show that was supposed to start called The Partner, in which he, it was almost like, think The Apprentice, think about that. It's a, uh, that's what I assumed the show was going to be like. They didn't give us much of a, about what it was going to be. And I don't know if it came on or not. I'm not sure that I was going to start watching it because I really liked the way The Prophet was set up. However, a listener of mine tweeted to about it to me and I was about to respond to it and then Marcus Lamonas followed me on Twitter now and it's, it she he followed her too because she uh tagged him in it now do I think Marcus Lamonas f- followed me on Twitter no girl this isn't my first day on the internet I know <laughs> I know this is a very Tay Diggs situation remember when Tay Diggs will follow everybody remember that I know that he has a social media marketing team, a manager of some sort that is running his accounts and that follows people on his behalf. Do I think Marcus Lemonis sees my tweets? No. Mm-mm. No, I don't think, I don't, Marcus Lemonis doesn't seem like a Twitter guy, okay? He just doesn't. Um, and so should I not be worried about this? You're right, I shouldn't be worried about this, but I am. I do not want Marcus Lemos to see my tweets. The type of shit I be tweeting, I just be saying shit up there. I really just be saying shit. Uh, <laughs> it's basically this podcast and, and uh, you know, a bunch of uh, much limited characters. Guys, I don't want Marcus Lemonis's social media manager to see my tweets. I don't. What if they're in a meeting one day and the social media manager goes, you see what Prince has been tweeting? And Marcus is like, let's show it to me. And then Marcus sees what I've been doing. I don't want to do it. I know this is very Chrissy Teigen of me. I know it is. But unfortunately, I'm, una- I'm unable to tweet at this time. 
because Marcus Mullins might find out about it. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. That's where I'm at in the world. I Off Twitter. I'm, I'm not tweeting because I can't deal with it. Um, if I were tweeting, what would I be tweeting about? So this week I have been listening to six billion dollar or no it's called billion dollar loser and it's about um just that whole we work debacle adam newman um his wife who's a cousin of gwyneth paltrow how how that cult of personality and how and led them to like one of the the like the the most overvalued company that we've seen in a very long time and it's about startup culture. It's about, you know, they also did a they also did a um, a Hulu documentary. I think. Well, they did a documentary. It's on Hulu, and they really want you to be like, this is a cult, and it is a cult. We work that whole we thing was a cult, not in the way like Nexium was a cult or Scientology is a cult, more in the way of how. There's a cult around Apple. There's a cult at Facebook. That sort of thing. And it, it, it's on my radar. It's been on my radar since they filed their S1, which is basically, it's just a like, I don't know how to subscribe. It's not a brochure. It's like a document that tells the SEC you're going to go public. It's more than that, but it just gives you information about it that you're going to do an IPO. And when he filed that, uh, when, the t- when the company filed that, it became very clear that a lot of shit was going down and it, you know, it, um, picked up my little, uh, white collar fraud, (laughs) um, antenna because just little stuff like he owned the trademark to we and sold it to the company for millions of dollars. He owned a lot of buildings that then the company had to lease from him. This is, none of this is illegal. It's just, uh, a lot of times when you get into white collar crime, a lot of things are just barely legal, you know, and it's that type of stuff. So, I mean, not that I want to say that Adam Newman is a criminal, but when that S1 was filed and basically there were a lot of articles written and, and like, it kind of was like, who the fuck is this <laughs> all around the world? <laughs> this company is valued at $20 billion for what? Like, that's when I started um, kind of following the story. And it's really interesting, the layers to the story about how startup valuation has gotten to the point where we are looking, where people are looking for the next unicorn and how these valuations happened, how investments go, what we're looking for in billion dollar founders and things like that. So it's super interesting. Um, the Hulu doc was fine. I like the audiobook better. It's written by the guy who wrote r- really the first articles I started r- reading on this. So I will be tweeting about that. And, and you know what it really boils down to? He's tall. He's 6'5". And people really respect tall people. If you're tall and you walk in a room, people are like, oh, that guy knows what he's doing. Why? Because he's tall? Really ridiculous. But that's what it really bears down to. So what else would I be tweeting about? Um... I have been re-watching Sex in the City. You guys know I've been on that journey. It started with me just like having a little bit of time to myself in my bedroom and just being like 
put something on from Hulu and the Sex and the City movie was on there and I watched it. And I was like, oh yeah, this is ridiculous. And then I watched Sex and the City 2 because I don't love myself. <laughs> and then that led me to be thinking about just the whole series. And I rewatch, I'm rewatching backwards actually because the first season of Sex and the City is horrendous. That Carrie talking to the camera, Zach Morris style, no, hate it. Don't like it. <laughs> I think the reason it was so popular is because it was just talking, you know, it was women talking about sex and um, the way that people don't think women talk about sex and that, which is a lot. Women think about sex all the time. And you guys know how I feel. I've talked about this before on other episodes, how I feel like that show is very interesting that you got all these women in their late fucking 30s who are, whose lives revolve around men, not so much sex with the exception of Samantha. It really, it really revolves around men. And I can't imagine being 38 years old and being, and the men in my life or women, whatever, whoever I'm fucking in my life being so important to that my life revolves around it. But anyway, it's nostalgic to me. I remember watching this show in real time and so I started with season six. Well, season six is broken into A and B. And, you know, this is when Carrie does burgers in the beginning of season six. Alec Zander is in, is in the beginning, is in like midway because then they go to Paris and everything. I have a hard time understanding why Carrie was not suspicious of Alexander. Because if I met a man with an accent who liked to go to dinner at 1 a.m., elaborate dinners at 1 a.m., who was very grand and was writing poems about me and shit and looked like he died three days before I met him, I would think he was a vampire. I would think this was grown up Twilight. That's what I would think. And we're in this season, like, Carrie is, is asking him about possibly having kids and he has a 31-year-old daughter. If I did not, maybe I misheard that because he's in his fi early 50s, which makes sense. He said he was very young. Um, he's played by uh, Barishnikov. I can't remember his first name right now. Barishnikov, who has a daughter with Jessica Lange. Interesting, interesting, but still. The, he's in his early 50s. Um, uh, Carrie's supposed to be like 37, 38 years old. And his daughter's 30, 31. And she's trying to convince her she herself she wants to have a baby with a vampire. And she's right. Like Charlotte's like, you're gonna have a baby. And Char and Carrie's right. She's like, if if I want a baby, don't you think I'd have a baby by now? I want to be a writer. I'm a writer. I wanted a billion fucking shoes for no fucking reason. I got them. I don't have a baby, and that's fine. Um I <sighs> You know, I was not a fan of Alexander. I was not surprised by the end of like the end of that uh, affair. What I was annoyed about, what I, if you if you caught me back when this fucking ended, back in uh, whenever I don't remember. I guess it might have been two thousand three, maybe two thousand four. I was really annoyed by the end of the series because I've all big is a fuckboy. He's been a fuckboy. All he does is basically ride up and down her street, I guess, waiting for her to come outside 
and then ruin her life over and over again. Anytime, if she's happy with someone else, he just shows up and it's like, hey kid, you wanna ride in a town car? <laughs> and then she does. And then as soon as she's like, yeah, I think I might wanna ride in a town car. He's like, too bad, bitch, get out. That's how he treats her. And I just, the little bow they put on, I was like, big is not, big is not the dude. Big is not the guy. I would have loved if after Sex in the City, at, at, at the end of that series, if she would have just ended that series with as a single girl. Carrie is the perpetual party single girl. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just... To wrap it up with her, with Big being the one, I was like, no, he's not the one. You two are so annoying and exhausting. You know what they remind me of? Y'all remember that old-ass Akon song, Nobody Wanna See Us Together, But It Don't Matter, Oh, Cause I Got You? <laughs> Do you remember that song? At the time, I had a very good friend who was in a relationship that was just fucking terrible, and all he did was break up get back together, get pregnant, have to have an abortion, uh, have a fight about the abortion, break up. He breaks into the house, steals all the Christmas presents, like that type of relationship. And I remember watching her sing that song and thinking to myself, this song is a problem. Cause it's got all these motherfuckers thinking that just because we don't want to see you together, that you, it's, it's you two against the world. No, you're in a bad, bad fucking relationship and you're ruining everybody else's lives too. Carrie and Big, that's who they are. I fucking hate Big. I will do this. I appreciate Big does not have like veneers. In fact, watching this whole thing, I was like, oh, remember when we used to watch people on TV who didn't have like bright fucking white day glow fucking teeth? Remember that? They just had regular teeth. I've been staring at Miranda's teeth for, for episodes and episodes. So I got to six and then I went back because I wanted to see eight and stuff. So I went to four. I think. Um, and that was like 2001, 2002. And I think at the time I would have been like, you're a dumb bitch. You need to marry Aiden. <laughs> Actually, Kara, Kara and I, I was, I needed some emotional support after, some support after seeing, after watching some episodes. And she was like, Carrie's a, is like the original dumb bitch. And she, and I wrote back, yeah, she's the dumbest of bitches because She's always making like the wrong fucking decision. But at the time I would have told her she should have married Aiden and rewatching this, I was like, of course you don't marry Aiden. You shouldn't even be in a relationship with Aiden. You shouldn't even have tracked Aiden down to get back in a relationship with him. You should have left him alone. Aiden is fine, guys. I don't, I actually think Aiden and I would get along very well. He's building that old fucking cab cabin. Why would you invite Carrie out to stay at that cabin? Does Carrie seem like the type of person that stays in a place with no air conditioning? Does Carrie bake pies for real? No. Why would you, why would you finish your cabin and then invite Carrie up there? I just felt like, so like he builds things. He likes dogs. He wants to lay in a bed, eat KFC. Sounds, sounds like the dude for me. Okay. But Carrie is not that girl. And he kept trying to make her that girl. She kept trying to be that girl. She, I just don't, I don't even, I don't even see how they got engaged. And then, so she's having like, she's having like a bad reaction to be engaged and stuff. And she's not even wearing the ring and stuff. And she, she has a conversation with him and he says all the right things in the conversation. He is a nice man. He's corny as fuck. 
corny. I can't believe he had a baby and named it Tate. I can't believe he said, let's get Maui. I can't believe. But you know what? Carrie's corny. So I see how they how they connect on that level. But anyway, so she says all the things and he says the right things back. And then I'm, I'm a, it seems like about a week later, he's trying to force her to go get married that night in Vegas. And she just said she needs it to be slower. I... They should have broken up. Because here's the deal. What if what if Carrie like figured like got herself to get to like get married to him? Like talked herself into it, then get married. Then what? Then I think Aiden wants to have kids. And as I just remember told you, like I don't think Carrie wants kids. And, I, and she doesn't have to want kids. And so it doesn't seem like you guys have talked about that. It doesn't seem like you guys I don't know. He said he's like I think Aiden was like 40-ish and Carrie was 37, 36 in this time. And these are decisions you have to make in the next couple of years. You have to make those decisions at that time. And I just know that if you guys got to marry, fucking six months later, you'd be having arguments about whether or not you're going to have kids. They weren't suited to each other. I know that Aiden's the best guy she dated on the show, but... He wasn't the best guy for Carrie and, and like rewatching him like, oh yeah, yeah, do not marry him. Don't like, he's very nice. He does. He, he got the jewelry, all that wonderful. Do not marry him. What else did I, oh, I liked, I, I really enjoyed the episode where, um, we realized that Carrie's poor. I, I think the last time I talked about this, I was like, I don't want to call her rich. I want to call her privileged. Right. She's privileged. She's not rich. Carrie had $700 in her checking account and 950 bucks in her, in her, uh, savings account. And like, I, please don't send me a bunch of messages telling me about how you're in a similar situation and you don't consider yourself poor. There's, she lived in New York city. She she had $40,000 worth of fucking shoes. Okay. We all remember that scene where Miranda does the math for her. That if you don't remember that there are two scenes I will never fucking forget. That is a scene of Miranda doing the math for her after farting in that store because Miranda's pregnant, remember? And the scene where Samantha comes back down the sta- the the elevator and Smith is waiting for her after she went up there and fucked Richard Wright. Um, those are lasting scenes for me. Anyway, she's got $40,000 worth of shoes, a closet full of shit. By the way, when her and Aiden were, when Aiden was combining those apartments and he's doing all the work on it, he goes, um... The washer and dryer got here. And she's like, oh, you just made my New York dreams come true or some corny, some corny shit like that. And I'm like, Carrie, who are you playing with? You're going you're gonna to act like you do laundry. You don't go down to the basement and do laundry or God forbid, go down two blocks to do laundry. You don't do that. Don't do that to us. Nothing in that closet is washable. All that's dry clean. Dry clean only, bitch. She sends her shit out. I did. By the time I left New York, I was sending my shit out. When I first got there, I was pretty broke. So I used to have to slip my shit up all the way, all the way up to the laundry mat and do my laundry there. Um, then like I got a little bit more money and I would have to steal carts and shit. And one time I was still in the car and the guy was like, uh, where are you going with that cart? And I had to lie to him and claim I had that cart and been passed down to me for many years. Like guys, Remember, my moral compass does not point to north. I'm stealing laundry carts and la- he believed me. He believed me. <laughs> but it got to the point where I was just like, pick up, 
like they come and pick it up and they drop it back off because I just didn't have the time and I have more money than time. I don't believe Carrie does laundry. I really don't. I mean, what, what does she have to do? Like her underwear? I bet she, she washes it by hand and hangs it up. And the rest of that shit is dry clean only. It has to be. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, like when we realize she's a poor person. Also, that that apartment is $750 a month. Lord, you know, when I lived in Chicago, I had a very small apartment that was perfect. It was like one wall for being a studio. And it was my, it's the favorite, my most favorite place I lived. It lived across the street from a church whose Wi-Fi I would steal. And it was great. My landlords would go to El Salvador and forget to come get the, the rent. Great. And it was $750 a month. It was perfect. Keep in mind, I lived in a bad neighborhood. <laughs> I had, I barely had a lock on my door. <laughs> but the fact that she pays $750 a month in rent, guys. Come on. Carrie is not a rich person. Which, may, which is fine. It's fine. But it makes the fact that she married big even more. Like, I understand why. Like, what's the point of a big if he's not going to buy you shit? When, when he gave her that $30,000 to buy the apartment and she wouldn't, and, and she tore it up, I was like, you're a dumb bitch, Carrie. You're a dumb bitch. Take the money. He's ruined your life a million times. You don't know he's going to ruin your life 10 more times at least. Take the fucking money. I did enjoy that, um, that Charlotte wouldn't, <laughs> Charlotte wouldn't give her the money. At first, I loved that. I loved when Carrie went to the house and, like, had that conversation. It's like, basically, you need to offer me the money. She's like, you know, Charlotte's a wasp. She's like, you know, money never mixes with friends and stuff. And to be honest, I agree with Charlotte. I never give a friend, I never lend a friend money that I can't, like, never see again. My, when the money goes, I'm like, okay, I'm never going to see that again. And if it comes back, I'm pleasantly surprised. I mean, I don't tell them that because then they won't give it back to me, but... That's how I deal with it. And one of the, the best things about I've been able to do in my life, whether it be like a family member or a friend, that if I've lent you money and you're having a hard time paying it back, I can just be like, you know what? You can just keep it. Like, take that off your plate. Don't worry about me because it's not, because I would have given you that money if I couldn't, if I could never see it again. If I had to get it back, I would have never given it to you. And it's, I so I understand what Charlotte's saying. That said, Carrie's right. It came off is like you're judging her when the fact is, Charlie, you've made a lot of mistakes yourself and don't act like you earned all that money and far be it, like money is <laughs> like money is bullshit. It's made up. So I'm not one of those people that's like, you got to put in a lot of work and get the money, blah, blah, blah. I, the way Charlotte got her money through that divorce settlement and everything. Fine. Fine by me. Get your money, girl. Love that. But don't sit here and act like Carrie's out on the limb because Carrie's because Carrie's an idiot, even though she is, and you're not because you're stupid too, Charlotte. You really are. And that was a great conversation. Again, I I did not want her to, to sell that fucking God to give the money to Carrie. She should have taken the money from Big. But still, this was a great season for that. Uh, season four is really good. Samantha's in the relationship with Richard Wright and Samantha's evolution in relationships. Samantha's been in three relationships on the show. Uh, the one with the chick, 
the one with um, Richard Wright, um, and the one with uh, Smith, and those those like character development arcs were so good. I, you know, to be honest, I really think just Sarah Jessica Parker should have been jealous of uh, Kim Cattrall because that Samantha character is so fucking good. She got all the one-liners. She's got all the, she, she's got all the funny sex scenes. By the way, some of those sex scenes though, I'm like, there's one where she's, a, she's wrestling and I'm like, Samantha is wearing a singlet. It's a wrestling unitard. And so is the dude. How are they fucking? Did he pull it out? What, what, how'd he get it out? It's the singlet is 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 made strange. Did he like pull up the shorts part? The the she but Samantha's was always was always the funniest part. The show's only what 26, 28 minutes. They're like half hour shows, um, without commercials too. Uh so they actually might be thirty, exactly thirty minutes. It might be twenty nine minutes. Why am I they're minutes. But there have been plenty of times I would be like a storyline would be going on. I'd be like, okay, I don't give a fuck about this. Mostly Charlotte's stuff. Cause I don't give a fuck about it. Um, Miranda's stuff. I really, I feel a deep connection to Miranda. Um, I was watching the episode where Steve is all on her side of the bed and his shit is everywhere. And I was like, who put a camera in my home? Who did that? And so I, I definitely feel for Miranda. It's a lot of Charlotte shit. Sometimes Carrie shit, I'd be like, I don't care about this. And But Samantha's was always good. I always enjoyed Samantha's stuff. Even the puns. Even that voice that she used. Because that's not Kim Cattrall's voice. I've been watching Kim... The, the first thing I remember I remember seeing Kim Cattrall in is Mannequin. And I had HBO in my room and that shit used to play all the fucking time. I watched Mannequin a million fucking times. I love that movie. I, uh, fuck, I just forgot his name. But he's Anthony on Designing Women. Him in there. Uh, like, it's so, it's such a fucking good movie. It's got a good soundtrack. Like, come on. It's a good fucking movie. I've been watching Kim Trail for a long time. That, he took out his cock. That's not her voice. <laughs> but I can even tolerate that. I think Sarah Jessica Parker should have been jealous. Samantha was the breakout star of this show. You know, um, I guess they're doing like a uh, a series of Sex in the Series on HBO Max of some sort. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I really do. I do have questions about Carrie. Carrie's a perpetual single girl, uh, woman out in the town. I know she's married to Big and everything, but... Even like in the Sex and the City 2 movie, she's upset because she doesn't think they have Zaza Zoo and she wants to go to dinners and she doesn't want takeout and she doesn't want to watch TV when she goes to sleep. And I'm like, Carrie, how are you going to settle into a long-term relationship if you still want to be dating? Now, you know, traditional traditional advice is like, oh, you need to date your, your mate and that's how you guys stay. You're right. You do need to talk every day about things that aren't like household related. You do need to spend time alone together. You do need to do those things. But are you saying I have to be on third date behavior for the rest of my life? I have to put on shoes that hurt and makeup just to eat dinner with you every night? I don't want to do that. 
The best part about being in a long-term relationship is that they see everything. You can be your best and worst person around them. You can just be sitting in the tub and they can just walk in the room and have a conversation with you. You know how many conversations I've had with my husband while I'm in the tub and he's taking a shit? A million. Do you know he knows what to get me no matter where he goes? He just went to Walmart a few minutes ago and he got me my chocolate dip Madelines. I didn't ask him for that shit. He just brought it back. That's long-term relationship. Long-term relationship is comfortable. Not, and I'm not saying you can't be comfortable dating, you can. But do you understand what I mean about Carrie? Like she wants the love story. She wants the, she just wants to be perpetually being courted. And long-term relationships aren't really like that. Long-term, especially as you're, because what, Big's like 50 in Sex and the City too. I know Samantha's 50 in uh, in the first movie. But I think Big's like 50 and uh, Carrie's 41, 42 years old. I just, I don't know. I just feel like those are the comfortable years. And maybe I'm thinking that because one of who I am naturally and also throw the pandemic on top of that. Like just the idea of wearing jeans like stresses me out. So just imagine a person that you can, you can, you can eat in like two times a week, but the rest of the time you got to eat out. You have to make reservations that I'm just imagining being in my sixties and I still have to go to club openings because she wants to go to club openings. I don't want to fucking go to club openings. I'm 40 years older than everybody here. I don't want to do this. So like part of me does want to see what is Carrie like in her 50s? But I don't know that the show's, I think the show's going to pick up right after, the, I don't know. I don't know. And you know, Kim Cattrall's not going to do it. And I don't wonder how they're going to write her out. I mean, they can say she died. I, I, I think they're going to say the cancer came back and she died. I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, but Kim Cattrall just is like, I don't want to do this anymore. I've been like, I've had this character for a long time. I'm, I don't want to go back and argue with Sarah Jessica Parker because people like me more and she's used to being in charge of everything. She's best friends with the creator and the writer and all that shit. I don't want to do that. And, you know, I think they kind of backed the truck up to her house and she still said, take it away, which is like, whoa. Somebody is much higher on that. What's the... Maslow's needs the hierarchy of needs where at the at the bottom is is like just enough to survive and then spiritual and then like all that shit I'm very I'm still at the very bottom I don't know if I'll get up higher than if somebody backs a truck up to my house I'll do it like all money isn't good money but I think I can change that money you know what I'm saying I, I think I can get a contract where I don't have to be in the room with fucking Sarah Jessica Parker I think I can get you know but we'll see. We'll see. Welcome to <laughs> Welcome to Carrie's a dumb bitch, the Sex in the City podcast. <laughs> I, but that's just what I've been watching all this time. I, I do wonder what if you are a perpetual part party girl, like how you age. What type of parties do you go to? What type of because you know, I was looking at the um at the brunches, because I do miss brunches. Like, 
I'm going to see, I get my second shot on Tuesday and then two weeks after that, I'm going to be able to see one of my friends I haven't seen in, in a year and a half. And I'm really excited about that. And we used to go out to brunches and we used to do things together and stuff. And I was looking at that and I was like, okay, but I'm a busy woman. Miranda's a busy woman. Uh, even Charlotte's a bit, Charlotte has two fucking kids and is probably on the board of this and the board of that, blah, blah, blah. Charlotte's a busy, Charlotte's a busy woman. And, you know, Samantha's always got shit to do. Um, I don't think they go to brunch every Sunday. It's probably every other Sunday, every third Sunday they, they meet at the coffee shop. And so, I know Carrie writes. Writing's hard. Um, I know that she's got, like, a whole life. But my question is, what the fuck does Carrie do in her 60s? Did she go through menopause? Did she go to menopause in her late fifties? And, and can she still wear those fucking shoes? Like what, what does Carrie do? I, I obviously I'm not a Carrie, so I don't know a lot about that type of stuff, but I don't know. Just interesting. I'm going to stop talking about sex in the city. <laughs> I'm probably gonna. So right now I, am I still in season four? I think I got to season three because I want to see the first time they dated, uh, Aiden and Carrie dated, and I want to see her cheat on him with Big. Um, I can't, was Natasha, when Big married Natasha, she was like 27 years old, and he was like in his 40s? What the fuck, man? Ugh. Anyway. Um, I want to see where he, where he, where she cheats on Aiden with, and see how I feel about that. Um, and then I don't know. I think I want to watch Desperate Housewives next. See, the thing about watching Sex in the City is that I can't watch it around my kids. And it's not that like I'm being a prude. It's just that, I don't know. I have a four-year-old who repeats everything, everything. And I just don't want my kids to see like Samantha fucking a horse or whatever the fuck she's doing this week. Um... Like we watch RuPaul's Drag Race together, they don't always get everything. And the only, the the one time we had an issue, like they understand what we're watching. They understand that it's um, men. Um, they don't have any. They they don't have bio queens on there yet. They it's, it's men watching. It's men that dress up like women and entertain and sing and dance and act. And the one who the one who does it the best wins. And so they completely understand that. They don't always understand the jokes, but the one time there was a problem is that when they did that sitting on a secret uh, challenge, remember that where they sat on stuff and they had to figure out what it was? Um, it might've been peppermint season, to be honest. And uh, the next day my kids were at the fucking YMCA teaching people how to play sitting on a secret. And that was an issue. Um, but other than that, it's not like, oh, by the way, by the time I do another main episode, we'll probably know who who won RuPaul's Drag Race. And I'll tell you who I'm, I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Simone. I really like Simone. And Crystal on the read said something about Simone that like hit really fucking home to me. How much she enjoys Simone, but usually she doesn't like black people who wear color contacts and have only white friends. Yeah, me too. For some reason, I just usually don't hit it off with those type of people. But I really like Simone. I would love for Reggie to win. I, I love for that. I'm rooting for Reggie so fucking hard. Um, 
I also, so I'm rooting for Reggie. To me, like, to be honest, I wouldn't care if any of them won. I'm not like, I wouldn't be like, oh, so-and-so got robbed. Or I wouldn't, I, any of them could win and be fine. Especially the way they do finales these days. However, I'm rooting really hard for Simone. And right, like, right underneath her got Mick. I really enjoy got Mick this season. Um, after that, Rosé and then Candy. Uh, and I don't think Rosé is going to win. To be honest, um, uh, Drag Race doesn't like perfect queens. They really don't like it. And, and Rosé is perfect. Uh, she can do everything. And and a lot of times they, they think that lacks soul. So I wouldn't be surprised if Simone or Got Mick won. Rosé comes back for All-Stars in three years and wins. That's what I think is going to happen. Well, you know, we'll figure it out by next week. What was I saying? Oh, okay. So my kids, they watch Drag Race. They don't like to watch uh, Law and Order. They don't like, they don't even like to hear the dun-dun because it starts off with a murder every time. I'm not even watching SVU. Uh, and they, they're having bloody nightmares about it. But for the most part, they watch everything with me. I, I've been introducing them to movies and stuff. And I'm basically a college boy. You know how like when you go to college, you get this boyfriend who's very serious in the films and stuff. And he keeps showing you shit and like gauging your reaction to find an excuse to break up with you. Like he's always showing you some fucking movie and being like, this movie is like the most important movie of all time. You need to get it. That's basically what I do to my kids. I'm always like, listen, I'm going to put on E.T. And if you don't like it, you have to, you got to get out of my house. You, I'm giving you away because this is a very important. <laughs> I don't say that, but that's how I feel. Um, uh, like the fact that they found sister, sister, very funny. I was like, ding, ding, ding. These are my kids. Um, but I can't watch Sex in the City in front of them. Even little Bear Bear was mad at me today because I had it on an iPad because I took a bath. So I had it on a, I had an iPad while I was taking a bath. I was just watching it. When I came out of the bath, it was still on the iPad and I had my earbuds in. And so he couldn't hear it, but he could see I was like looking at something while, while I was doing something in my room. And he kept saying, I want to watch the grown up show. And I was like, Bear Bear, you cannot watch this. And he's like, I can watch it. I'm grown up. And I'm like, no, you can't. I, they just really want to see and, and they always want to be around me. So the next thing, I, I really want to watch um, Desperate Housewives, but I don't know. That might be inappropriate, too. I mean, it was on Prime. It was on network TV. It's not going to have, like, it's not going to, there's no Samantha on there. But I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Okay, so let's get, let's, let's get fucking started. Let's get, let's get fucking started. Um, I want to remind you guys, I have a Patreon for this show. It's at patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. And this week, if you are a Patreon member, you got an episode about the Romeo and Juliet of heroin. It's really good. I got to use Beetlejuice references. Um, we got to talk about uh, enabling. We got to talk about naivete when it comes to drug use. Um, we got to talk about bad dads. Real good stuff. Um, and next week is the last um, episode in our intervention series. That, By the way, that was an intervention episode. It wasn't just me like making up some shit. And the last episode of our intervention series is going to be 
the first episode of this season of Intervention. Intervention this season, the one that's currently on in Las Vegas during COVID, is actually very good. I don't know if they got some new story editors or new pro story producers, whatever. It's good. Lots of twists and turns in them. Lots of things I was like, oh, I didn't see that fucking coming. Um, one episode, uh, like an aunt is letting her nephew live in her backyard and he's an alcoholic because he can't, cause he, cause he gets aggressive when he comes in and he like shits in the backyard. Like, uh, one's living in the tunnels underneath Las Vegas. But the one we're going to do is the first one. It's called C it's called Susan. And it's essentially a family of Mormons, maybe ex Mormons, but Mormons living in this very nice home in the suburbs of, of, of Vegas, turning it into a drug den. It's very good. It's pretty long. But both Kara and I saw it and was like, oh my God, this is a good show. So Kara has agreed to be on it. So if, you, if you're if you a Patreon member, you'll, you'll hear that next week. And then after that, we'll start a new Patreon series in which you get to vote. Um, there'll be some, there'll be some options on the Patreon and you'll get to vote on what the next series is going to be. So that's a great place to be if you want to continue to support this podcast. It's also awesome that you just listen to it. So whichever one you do is fine by me. Let's talk about today's episode. So it's my 600 pound life. It is, da, 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 I should be already looking at this. It is season two, episode one. It aired January 7th of 2014. And it's Jalen's story. Now, Jalen's name is spelled Z-S-A-L-Y-N-N. -N. A part of me wants to pronounce that Zaylin, uh, the first part looks like Zsa Zsa Gabor. So Jalin, uh, there are like a lot of ways you can pronounce this, but I, I made sure I watched some videos. I paid attention to the way they were pronouncing it. And I really think it's pronounced Jalin. Um, Jal, she lives in San Antonio. She's 42 and she weighs 597 pounds. Uh, we see her get up and she says that, you know, uh, she doesn't even feel like she's living anymore. She, we see her take a shower and when she gets out, she's putting baby powder in between her fat folds because of like, you know, um, chubber up. And it's really uncomfortable when you have that. Again, getting on my 600 pound life is such a vulnerable experience. They want to see all your, like, they want you at all the bad angles. They want to see all the, the parts of your body you're most scared to show people, you must be naked. I've never seen a My 600 Pound Life episode where people were not naked on it. I've never seen one. Um, and like, nobody goes on house hunters and has to take off their clothes. You know what I mean? I, there is a lot, and you, and you have to talk about how terrible your growing up was, or some, you have to admit to some sexual assault or some child abuse. You have to, you have to, to be on this show to get that free surgery. And that's something to think about. You know, when we hear about all these, uh, former 600 pound life participants suing the media company, which is called Megalomedia. And I believe it's Dr. Now's son. That's a, that's, is either an owner or a big part of this um, production company that it's, it's, they're alleging things like one, they are not providing them with the, um, with any mental 
uh, health care that was promised throughout these episodes. Like, they're just trying to get them in there. They'll, they'll fake storylines. One of them was like, they were faking that she was gaining when she was actually losing. Another one says that, another lawsuit says that they, that they, um, convince family members to say like scripted lines of the fault, right? Straight out fucking lies about the person, uh, to make it, to make it even more, um, dramatic. And I can't imagine, like they usually interview those family members when they're talking about past. So, so you know how sometimes I'm like, these numbers don't fucking add up. I feel like that's part of it. Um, most of the lawsuits are about how they don't, how they promise to pay certain medical bills and they do not pay them. And so they're in like a ton of debt. Like this is supposed to be a free surgery. And I bet that what happens a, a good amount of time, I've talked about this, that I bet a lot of people are on Medicaid, that uh, Dr. Now's clinic charges Medicaid for the most part, uh, as much as they can. And the actual surgery is free. And these people find out later that like follow-up visits, uh, aftercare, a lot of this other shit is not free and that they get all these, uh, bills afterwards. Um, I forget which one it is, but one of, um, you know, uh, one of the participants killed himself and he was texting producers about like how he was in a dark place and all these things. And they text back, fake it till you make it. Like, uh, this, I don't mean to laugh. I'm saying that it's important to think about how desperate you have to be to get on this show, right? Um, what they ask you to be for the show, for the for the ratings. And remember, a lot of times producers have to like manipulate you to get the things they want from you. We talk about this on Team Mom. Liz talks, I said we, like, I'm, like I also have a Team Mom podcast. Liz talks about this all the time on Team Mom about how those producers, the job is to be friendly with the girls and get what you need from them. And sometimes that's like telling Janelle her mom's a bitch and then going to Janelle's mom and being like, yeah, Janelle just doesn't get it. Like that's part of it. And so also imagine that like at this point, obviously I feel bad for the team mom girls when shit like that happens. But also at this point you've been in the game, bitch. You kind of know that these bitches are lying to you, but these things are, Pound Life participants are not reality stars. This is their first and only brush with reality usually. And they probably believe production when they tell them, we're going to pay for this, we're going to take care of this. One, one woman said that they promised to pay for her mother's hernia surgery if she continues to film and promised to pay rent. They did not. Uh, another one, I don't remember which one this was because I don't even think I've seen this episode where her father dies and she has to drop out of the program because she just emotionally can't go any further. They forced her to film uh, further after she told them she could not, she emotionally could not do it anymore. And I know there are people that are listening to this that are like, yeah, 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 that's how reality TV she goes. But like I said, I feel like the, a lot of these people are very naive about this type of thing. Uh, like one of the reasons they could never get me to film a reality TV show is because I know all about reality TV. So I'm one, I'm not going to say something just for fun for you. So like when the camera, when you turn the camera on, you're like, could you just say that, um, your husband's mother's a bitch? I'm like, no, cause that's what you're going to be using. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm not saying that just, just to test the camera for you. No, I'm not doing that. Um, 
I'm going to ask for things I know I can get. And, and there's a lot of things I'm not willing to show reality TV because I just know how this shit lives on forever. There's a part of me that's like, girl, you're going to regret some of that shit you've been saying on that podcast. <laughs> and I probably will. But at the very least, I don't have to get on camera and be naked on camera and show you all the worst parts of my, all the parts of my body I'm, I'm not happy with. And so that you can make a storyline for me. So let's talk about Jalen. So Jalen says that even though she's able to walk, which is a big deal at, at that weight, it's, it hurts a lot. Her ankles, her, her, um, hips, her legs. I mean, she's in pain at her knees. She's in pain every day. Uh, she says that for the most part of the day, because she's not mobile, she's sitting there for seven, eight hours a day watching TV. She says she's always been chubby and her mother was, had a big deal about it. Her sister's name is Zane, which is how they get to, I'm like, okay, your mother's just, you probably got a brother named Zed or something like that. Um, their mom just like, was like, you're not allowed to be fat. Um, you know, uh, Jalen, uh, gained a lot of weight over the years. Um, her mother, her mother wouldn't let her wear certain clothes or like envelopes. Her mother told her that like licking a stamp was too many calories. And so obviously it's obvious that her mother was like emotionally abusive. And the reason you can tell that is because there is no one in the world who thinks a stamp has so many calories that you're going to that you're going to like gain weight. I'm, I'm sure that if you have an overweight child, there's a lot of things that you have to think about. I'm sure the doctor's telling you like the last episode we did with Lindsay, where she said that she was uh, a fucking, how much she said? She said, she said she was like 150 pounds when she was five years old. That might be producer production exaggeration. Cause 150 pounds at five years old is, really big, but imagine you have a child has that is severely overweight. And I'm sure there in your head, you want to do something, right? You want to make sure that they're not sick. You want to make sure they don't get teased all the time. It's not the child that you thought you were going to have. I'm sure I like, I can empathize with all of those things, but you and I both know the reason you're telling her she can't lick a stamp is because you want to punish her for being fat. The and I'm sure it's not the, I'm sure, I'm sure there was punishment around food. I'm sure, Jalen says that her mother said that would be like, I'm not going to buy you any more clothes unless you lose 10 pounds because you don't need any more clothes because you're so fat. Um, this is emotionally abusive. <laughs> this is not how you talk to children. This is not how you talk to people that you love. Uh, I don't care if they don't look the way you want them to look. First of all, all children go through ugly stages, multiple ones. Just know that there are going to be times when you look at your children, you're going to be like, oh, wow. Wow. Can't wait to the next growth spurt. There are kids that can be ugly and, and there is no reason, but you're ugly too. You know what I'm saying? They see you in your house shoes and shit. They see you. <laughs> they see you when you're sneaking cookies in the middle of the night. You're ugly too. Like, no, they're it's not a requirement for you to look like a fucking beauty model to be somebody's child. And I do feel bad for most of the people who participated in this because it seemed like they had parents that really were, um, took their weight personally and 
and like and wanted to like kind of beat up on them about it. Uh, Jalen says that from freshman year of high school to senior year, she went from 170 to 340. And at this point, like the point where she's talking, her scale just reads error because it only goes to 500. Um, she talks about she has an, she has a, a sugar addiction. So we get a scene of her riding one of those little uh, cart things in like a Walmart or a grocery store of some sort. And she says that the hardest part is she has addiction to sugar. And her cart just goes down the aisle where there's sugar in it. And she's buying brownies and she's buying frosting to put on her brownies and ice cream and all these different things. Um, I think sugar addiction is a real thing. And I heard somewhere that, like, the same hormones that you get from, not hormones, the same, like, brain receptors that you get from doing heroin or having, or, like, falling in love is the same that get affected by sugar. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense because I'm, like, full of sugar all the time and that's why... I never like having sex with someone. I'm never like, oh, I'm in love because I just have so much sugar in my system that I that like maybe my brain, maybe my receptors are just like full of like sugar shit already. So there's like no room for this falling in love stuff. But <laughs> that makes a lot like sugar is incredibly addictive. It's in so much shit. And Jolin obviously uh, has a problem with it. But unlike. Like last week we were talking, unlike an alcohol addiction where people will just be like, okay, well, you have to stop drinking altogether. It's very hard to never get sugar in your life. It's very hard. Um, we see her go to Shipley's, which is a donut chain here in Texas, and she's eating the donuts on the way home. Guys, I'm not, I don't love Shipley's. I really don't. I like a hot donut. I like, I like a Krispy Kreme and... I like Round Rock Donuts here in here in Austin. Well, it's in Round Rock. It's a suburb of Austin. And I love Round Rock, but, you know, the line is fucking long as shit. And you got to drive forever to get there. Uh, but if I can't get the Round Rock, I like Krispy Kreme. Shipley's, eh, it's fine. It's fine. It's not... I, I, I think it's fine if you just like... It's obviously a thousand percent better than those fucking cold... Um, clammy fucking donuts in the grocery store but I mean like it just doesn't you know what it just doesn't have that zaza zoo that's what it does it didn't have that it's, so, it's fine though um and you know Jalen doesn't care she says she wants to make love to the donuts with her mouth and it's almost a sexual thing for her uh, when she was 13 she found the National Association for Fat Acceptance like I think it's called NAFA and she really became, she really, like, became at peace with her weight. And not just at peace, like, she was proud of her weight. She showed off her weight. Uh, we see a girl on, on the screen. Her name is Bonnie. It's a woman. Her name is Bonnie. And Bonnie has obviously had weight loss surgery. Because the pictures we see of her with uh, Jalen when they were younger, she's just as big as Jalen or maybe a little smaller. And now she's a very small person in terms of like weight. And she says that when she met her, she was like the life of the party. She was always dressed really well. She was very confident. Um, and why would you want to be friends with someone like that? I think that when Jalen fell in with the, um, NAFA, 
she just really, you know, she found people that were just like her. She found people that were just like her who were also weren't interested in losing weight, right? That's, I think that's one of the hardest part about being a fat person is that most of the time when you are around other fat people, they are talking about losing weight. They are talking about clothes that hide their bodies. They are talking about clothes that make them look skinnier. They're talking about diets. They are, that's what they're talking about. And it's because like almost all representation is that way. And I know that like right now we're moving to, you know, there was a, there is a big body positivity movement. I think, I think as we move into body neutrality, which is more like a body is a body. There's not beautiful. It's not ugly. It's, it's a thing in which we live in. I think that we're going to see more people, more fat people who aren't talking about fatness as a positivity or a negativity. It's just a thing. Um, but for Jolene at this time, like she loved being fat. She was praised for it. She was also sugar babying. She doesn't say that. But what she's saying is that like men would want to be around her and they want to pay her way to get her to places. And she, you know, she go on all expensive paid trips and stuff. I mean, yeah, like that's sugar babying. And so she, and she just got a lot of like sexual attention and again, I want to remind you, fat people fuck and people want to fuck fat people. And it's not just fetishes. It is like fat people get fucked. But in Jalen's case, she really was dealing mostly with like fetish type stuff because she was doing fetish modeling. Um, she wasn't, when she was, she said she was modeling, she wasn't modeling for Lane Bryant guys. She wasn't like doing, she was doing um, shoots where the point was to see her body, her fatness, uh, you know, she'd be in bikinis and stuff and things like that. And she says that she put a picture of, of herself on a bikini on her profile pic. Um, and it's like, a, they show us a picture. It's a bright blue bikini. She's very large in it. She has stomach like coming down over like the front of the bikini. She, she's, she's a very large woman in it. And it's obvious that she's not trying to hide it. And so, um, So that's how she met her husband. She said that once she put that on there, she, she kind of reeled him in. And her husband's name is Gareth. And when she says she reeled him in, I'm like, throw that bitch back. He is, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I did an intervention episode where I said somebody was the worst father to ever do a talking head on intervention. I think Gareth is the worst husband to do a talking head on, on my 600 pound life. The worst spouse. He, terrible. He is fucking terrible and when I was looking for updates Jalen was like actually the show made him look like a saint he was a lot worse than that and I'm like oh my god he's a lot worse than this okay so he has a fat fetish he's only attracted to fat women um and you know like I'm not gonna I'm not going to get into what's the difference between being attracted to someone and being fet and fetishizing them. Uh, I think you can guess. And I think it's obvious as we watch this show what the difference is, is that like, if I'm attracted to you because you're a fat person 
and for some reason you lose weight and now I no longer love you, then the only reason I was attracted to you because you're a fat person? If I'm attracted to you because I'm attracted to black men and when I find out that you're, that you're only partially black, uh, that you're biracial or something, and then I'm less attracted to you, that's a fetish. That's a fetish. Like, if... I, I, like, I, I think we can understand the difference between those things. Um, but they, they, you know, they got together and they, they've been married 10 years by now. Um, and they have an 8-year-old daughter, 8 or 9-year-old daughter. Now... Jalen says that when she was 29, she was 530 pounds and like she loved being fat. She, big was beautiful. The best thing, it, it given her all these things in life. She, all these men that were attracted to her. But when she was 29, she, she started having the health problems. And that's when she started really getting like the worst sides of being fat. And those health problems have really put things in perspective for her because she, now she has a daughter. And the thing that she worries the most about is being there for her daughter. She's worry that like what if she dies before her daughter's like a sophomore in high school and like what is that gonna be and she's not saying this but she's also saying but her husband is so bad and she's like what if I have to leave my daughter with her you know I I mean with him uh and she says that big isn't beautiful if it's gonna keep me from being here for my daughter or kill me or whatever so I want to stop here and just remind you, like talk about how Jalen is a poster girl for this show in a way. And that, you know, we talk about Lisa. The first episode I did was Lisa who was non-compliant and annoying and she's talking, she's like trying to throw, trying to throw people off her scent by like talking sexually about stuff. We talk about Lindsay who had to go back and back and back over and over again to doctor now to try to get this surgery. Um, John Lynn is what people want in this episode. It's, well, let me take that back. Not everyone, but she is a deserving fat person because here she is. She used to be, she used to revel in being fat and revel in gaining and now she's seen the error of her ways and now she's going to now she knows that this is the wrong thing to be and she's going to take care of it and as we get through the episode I'll point out more things but she is a lot of times people turn into this show they want to see someone who is well let me take that back the core group the core audience here wants to see someone who deserves a free surgery, who works really hard and who's willing to change their life and admit that they were a bad person for being fat. There are us, the people listening to this, you and me, that love drama. And so we want to see drama and shit, but that's not what most people watch this show for. They want to see people losing weight and they want to see, and when they don't want to lose, they want to see them punished for it. And so Jolin is an incredibly popular episode, mostly because her husband's so bad, but also because she seems like the right, like she's doing the right thing. Now, Gareth is, is, he understands what she's saying. Like, 
that's what I think that's what makes Gareth so terrible is that it's not that he doesn't understand that she's like in a lot of pain. She's got all these health problems. They've got this young girl. Um, she's bunny. She's bunny's age. Bunny's a little girl. And that is Jalen's world. She wants to be there for her. And Gareth understand that he says that, that he loves fat women, but you know, as she's gained, you have to be careful what you wish for. And, He's so unsympathetic on the screen. He has he also has a bit of an accent. Um, I think he's like British. Uh, he says garden when he means lawn, like the the yard. So I'm assuming. I mean, he also might have lost a bit of his accent uh, living in San Antonio. But still, uh, I think, like I said, I think that's what makes him so bad is because he's like he understands why she needs to lose weight, and he just is very unsupportive. Um. We see a montage of her friend Bonnie that was talking, playing with Hannah, which is the daughter, and like jumping on, jumping on the uh, trampoline with her and swinging and running around the backyard. And Jalen says that Bonnie pretty much raises Hannah. And I don't know if that's true, but I understand what she's saying that like there's a lot of things she just won't be able to do with Hannah and she doesn't have the strength to do. And you know, Hannah's a little girl. She wants to do all kinds of things. And, you know, Jalen is, you know, she thinks she'll be dead in five years. Um, this is an early episode, so they, they obviously pretend like Dr. Now is not the star of the show. So uh, they, you know, they tell us she's found a doctor in Houston that might help her weight loss uh, surgery. And unlike a lot of people on this show, she is in San Antonio. So she's only about three hours away from Houston. So she drives and when she gets there, she's at 597 pounds. Um, but she doesn't want to look at the scale. She doesn't want to know. And when she finds, how she finds out is Dr. Now comes in and is like, you're at almost 600 pounds. And that's how she finds out that she's that close to 600. And she, he asks, he basically says, why are you so fat girl? And you know, with his non bedside manner and Jalen talks about her sugar addiction. She thinks that, she she believes that when she does the surgery, he's going to take out part of her intestine and that when sugar hits her intestine, it's going to make her sick. And that's not how the surgery works. Uh, doctor now explains that to her that, that like, okay, so when you first get the surgery and you're healing, yes, there are many things you can't eat. And then afterwards, there are things you're not supposed to eat because it'll stretch your stomach out and it'll make, like, it'll give you the runs. It'll make you sick. But for the most part, all the surgery does is, make your stomach smaller so you feel fuller you feel full it makes it harder to eat large amounts of food at one sitting if you were to like break it up like six times a day you might be able to do it and he so he explains that to her and he tells us in a talking head that she needs to have realistic expectations about what the surgery can and can't do like the surgery doesn't change your sugar addiction um the surgery doesn't the surgery doesn't, um, it doesn't change your relationship with food. Let me take that back. Maybe it does change your relationship with food because of the way you have to look at food, but it doesn't change your cravings. It doesn't change, it doesn't make you not want brownies with frosting on it. And watching that episode, I was like, damn, I want a brownie with a, with some fucking frosting on it. Shit. <laughs> so like it is. It's a physical change, 
But the reason someone weighs 600 pounds is usually a mental thing, you know? Um, and at least Dr. Now knows that and admits it. Uh, the types of foods you eat are up to you, as he says. Um, so when he leaves the room, oh, basically he tells her she's got to lose 20, 30 pounds in a month, and which is normal for him. And when he leaves the room, uh, Jalen's kind of weepy and says that he's really hard. And I don't know. I've seen Dr. Now be much harder on people. And her friends that came with her, not her sister and Bonnie that came with her, are like, yeah, I think he's hard because he's, this process is going to be hard. So, yeah. Um, back at home, we see Hannah helping Jalen getting out of the chair. Like, basically grabbing her hand and pulling her up so that they can use, like, uh, kinetic energy to get her out of the chair uh, to help Jalen sit up. Um, and in the voiceover, she says today, there's an episode, guys, where there's a child about Hannah's age that takes care of her mom, and this child is in the kitchen frying pork chops. And I don't remember shit about that episode except for that child was fucking those pork chops up. And I mean that in a good way. Like she was, woo, she was better in those pork chops. And I was, and I was thinking, oh, she's like nine, 10 years old. And she's used to like frying pork chops for her mom. And I remember sitting there going, I want some fucking pork chops. Those pork chops probably taste fucking good. But the thing that I'm not thinking about is that, hey, uh, being 10 years old and having to like take care of your parents and make sure they get out, like help them get out of the chair and fry pork chops for them is actually not great. Um, parentified children are, have more anxiety and depression than children that aren't. I know I was a parentified child where I just thought I was like in charge of taking care of my parents and I just need to take, just make sure they were okay. It's one of the reasons that a lot of times my kids get upset with me because I'm, I, I ask them not to do things for me because I'm trying to explain to them that they're, that, you know, you're a certain age, you shouldn't have to like, you know, you're not in charge of my feelings and you're not in charge of making sure that I'm okay. Um, and sometimes they don't quite understand that, but it's important that we think about Hannah here and that Hannah's life is greatly affected by Jolin. Uh, Hannah's you know, uh, they show us a scene where Jolin takes Hannah to her favorite park. And it looks like a park that's inside, uh, it's on a school grounds. Because there's a large fence in the building and you got to walk past. And Jolin can't go all the way in there. So what she has to do is send Hannah in there by herself to play. And Jolin kind of leans on the fence and watches through the fence. Uh, she also has like a friend um, who's there with her daughter who walks Hannah in. Um, and she says, and Hannah says she doesn't mind, but Hannah understands there's a difference there. There's Hannah's too old not to understand there's a difference there that her, not that she, not that Jalen needs to be like fucking going down the slide with her, but that there are places her mother can't go. And because her mother's her primary caretaker, that means there's places Hannah can't go. Uh, it, even though Hannah seems very 
she seems very close to her mother. She tells her things don't bother her. They, she, they do affect her. And I think Jolin knows that. And this, it's one of the reasons she wants to do this. Um, also, I want to point out that Jolin has friends. A lot of times on these type of shows, especially My 600 Pound Life, they don't have any friends. They have family members who take care of them. But they don't have, like, someone to consider a friend. She has her sister. She has Bonnie. She has this, this the friend that's helping at the playground. So that says a lot about her. Um, so a month later, Jolene goes back to Dr. Now, and she's 569 on, on the scale. She lost 28 pounds, just like Dr. Now asked her to do. Um... She says she's not having any problems with her diet. And Dr. Now thinks she's ready for the surgery. Dr. Now even smiles at her. And like I said, when he smiles, he looks like a goddamn Muppet. This is, again, I want to point out how Jalen is a model fat person here. That Dr. Now told her to lose a certain amount of weight and she lost it. And he's approving her for the surgery. In latter episodes, it feels like production chooses people for drama rather than that are right for the program. Right? I've talked about that. How... There are people who are ready for this type of program and they probably don't make it on screen as much as people who have a lot of drama going on. And so for if, you, if you're watching episodes now or in the last couple of years, nobody goes to Dr. Now and gets their surgery the first time because that's not interesting, right? They have to fill an hour and a half, two hours of fucking show. So instead, they, he, you got to go back three, four times because you're not on the diet. But here, model fat person, Jalen, Easily just loses 30 pounds in a month. Um, so about two weeks later, she's going to have a surgery. And it came up very quickly that that someone probably called and said, okay, now you have to get the surgery. And when she told her husband, like, I'm going on Wednesday to get the surgery, he was very upset. Apparently, he did not realize that she was this serious about it. I probably, I believe Jalen's been talking about losing weight for maybe six years. And the reason I say that is because Hannah's like eight, nine years old. And when she first had Hannah, um, it's one thing, but once they start moving, it's another. And the places they want to go and the things they want to do. I bet she, she's been, I bet she's been talking about this for a while. And he never thought she was going to go do it. So here it is. She's scheduled the surgery and he's like, what? You're going to lose weight? Um, even though he knows that she's having health problems, even though he knows that her life ex expectant life expectancy is, is less because of her weight. Um, and he told her off camera, so she's telling us on camera that he said that when he married her, she was a happy fat girl. And if he hadn't known she was going to be a happy fat girl, then he wouldn't have married her. So the reason he's the bad guy, the real reason he's the villain is not because he got a bait and switch. Because he didn't really get a bait and switch. She's, she didn't take, she didn't after the wedding take off a fat suit and be like, ha ha, I'm a size two. That's not what happened. It just got to the point where medically she can't do this anymore. And so you are more concerned with your attractiveness to her than you are with her health. And that's wrong. This is even... This would be exactly the opposite, I mean, exactly the same if she 
how did how did eating disorder where she didn't eat and she you know she weighed ninety five fucking pounds and she's starting to recover from her eating disorder and she's got she's on a plan and a diet and she's you know uh, being more um, you know uh, being more healthy with the way she's eating, the way she's relating to food and she starts to gain weight and now she's at 130 and you're telling her that you're not going to be sexually attracted to her if she keeps gaining weight. This is wrong. Uh, and not only did he say he wasn't going to be attracted to Jalen, which I'm going to ask, how often are you guys fucking? How often are you guys having sexual relationships? Because Gareth, you seem like a dick and I can't imagine you and Jalen are having sex. I just can't. She's in a lot of fucking pain right now. And again, I don't, I'm not saying that, uh, they're not having sex cause she's fat. Uh, I'm saying, I don't think they're having sex because he's in a lot, she's in a lot of pain. And also you guys seem like you're not married. You don't seem like you even like each other. But so anyway, he tells her, I'm not going to be attracted to you. I'm, I'm actually going to be disgusted by you. Gareth. So you're saying that if you see a woman in the street who doesn't weigh 600 pounds, you're disgusted? No. Maybe you're not attracted, but you're not like, ew, what's wrong with that bitch? No, no you just said it to hurt her fucking feelings. Ugh. Anyway. Um, so, you know, Jalen is crying. She says he has no idea how close to death she feels every day. Yeah. He says, <laughs> Gareth tells the camera, I've, he's always like big women. Why settle for a hot dog when you could have a steak? That sounds like what used to be on Jalen's website when she was picking up men to share a baby. <laughs> so, so I guess what's happening is Jalen and Hannah are going to Houston together. I don't know why Hannah's going. I don't know why Gareth isn't going. Well, actually, I know why Gareth isn't going. He's a shit fucking husband. That's why he's not going. But Hannah, when when they get to the, to do the surgery, Bonnie's there. And I'm like, okay, so I guess Bonnie's going to take care of Hannah. But also, she shouldn't be here. Uh, she should be at home, going to school or doing whatever the fuck she's supposed to be doing over there. But she's there. Um... She's, you know, at the surgery during intake, she's weepy. She's crying a lot. She's saying she has an eight-year-old daughter. What if, what if she leaves her motherless? And she pulls it together a little when Hannah and Bonnie come visit her to to say goodbye. I mean, do you say goodbye for a surgery, right? If I came in here and said goodbye, wouldn't you be like, oh, you think I'm going to die? Like, what do you say? Good luck? I don't know. They see each other before the surgery. Um... But even that, even while she's pulling herself together, she's crying a few minutes later. I, I can't even like fault Jalen for being like worried about all this. Um, don't they say any surgery, which where you go, I mean, you could die from all kinds of things, but don't they say that it's any surgery where you get anesthesia is serious because you have to go under and you could die. Don't they say that? I'm sure people die in these surgeries. I'm sure of it. I, I would be nervous too. Um, to, to leave my kid with Gareth. Yeah. I'd be really fucking nervous. So 
there's a surgery scene, which I don't care to recap because I don't really care about surgery scenes. And after it, Bonnie brings Hannah back to see her mother, and Hannah seems very concerned. Her mother, she's on, I would be too. She's on fucking oxygen, and she seems out of it. She seems like she could die. Again, Hannah should be at home. This is not where you bring fucking kids. After the bypass, uh, Jalen, they start her on, she's in the hospital in recovery. They start on her 1,200-calorie-a-day diet. She says she's got a little less appetite, but she still has one, of course. Um, so I, that's interesting because I wouldn't call the reason you eat appetite, Jalen, mostly because you're eating for comfort and emotions. I understand I do that too, but you're probably not actually hungry. There's probably very few times your body is actually being like, give me some food. It's mostly your brain going, don't you want this? Uh, and I know that because even as a kid, I could go long periods without eating if you offered me something I didn't find appetizing. So I, I wasn't hungry unless it's something I wanted. Um, and also she said she's surprised she still has all of the cravings. But again, the reason you, you, you want to eat less right now is because your body's hurting. So it doesn't, you know, you don't feel like eating. You're, you're, you're recovering, you're healing. But again, the surgery was on the stomach, not your mind. So the cravings are still there. Like, it, the surgery doesn't take that away. So in recovery, Gareth calls and immediately asks, how much weight has she lost? Which is ridiculous. It's been hours, okay? <laughs> or at most a day. What did he think? Did he think they were going to suck fat out of her? Again, he's not listening. He, he hasn't gone to any of the appointments. He doesn't know what's happening. And she gives him a sarcastic answer and he's like, oh, you know, I couldn't sleep last night and go to work today. And maybe that's why Hannah wasn't with him because he had to work. But still, I just feel like Gareth should have been there for the surgery and some and Bonnie should have babysat Hannah back at home. Um, so he couldn't sleep the night last night because he was so worried. Um, it's, so he's not at work today. And I'm like, he probably wasn't sleeping because he was busy coming up with ways to sabotage Jalen. And then he goes on a story about a taco stand that I actually want him to finish because I love fucking tacos. And I was like, what, what'd you get on your taco? What, what, what taco stand was it? How many did you get? But Jalen does the right thing. He basically cuts him off and hangs up on him. She didn't want to hear about his dinner. So about three days later, she's out of the hospital. Gareth is supposed to come and pick her up. He's late. He's supposed to be there like 11. He probably gets there at one. And he immediately walks in the room and goes, oh, I thought she would have lost a lot more weight. I thought she would have been standing up and uh, straighter and skinnier. And he tells her, well, you know, I'm going to try to be supportive, but I'm not looking to do any dieting. You know, I'll try to be considerate, but I'm not going to do a diet. So what does that mean? That means he drives her right to a fucking Burger King after the, when he picks her up from recovery. He orders a bunch of food. He waxes poetically about bacon. He asks her to hold the food. He is a dick. Ugh. And and Jalen does a, a fucking voiceover. It's like, I'm realizing now Gareth isn't going to help me. No shit, Jalen. No fucking shit. So by month four, she has lost about 104 pounds. And she's adjusting to the diet. She says if she eats something off her diet, she feels a little nauseated. The biggest challenge is eating three times a day instead of like like lots more. No snacks. It's three meals, no snacks in between. 
And about once a week, she cries. She has a breakdown. I bet. This is an emotional thing she's going through. It's not a physical thing. Some people think it's a physical thing. And for some people, you know what? It might be a physical thing. It might just be, I don't know, that you you had some injury that put you in bed for six years and you gained a lot of weight. That I don't know. But I just don't think you get to 600 pounds without emotionally eating. I just don't think that's possible. I could be wrong. She says she misses sugar a lot, but by the time she gets to doctor now for this visit, she's down, she's down 150 pounds and he's saying she's doing good, but he does expect her to lose about 200 and he wants more activity from her, like exercise. And he wants her to lose 50 pounds by the next month. So Jalen starts seeing a trainer and she's nervous that Garrett's going to get upset about it, but she goes anyway. And the trainer does an assessment. They do some exercise. Just kind of see where she's at. The trainer actually says, um, that she doesn't have physical restrictions she thought she would have. And so they're in a good place to get started. Now she tells the camera that Jalen's the biggest, the largest person she's ever worked with. And that feels like something production told you to say, right? I feel like most people have the good manners not to, when someone says, how do you feel about training Jalen? And you go, well, she's the fattest one I've ever seen. That's not what most people say. And I feel like, Someone prompted and was like, is she, have you ever seen anyone as big as her in here? <laughs> Do you have any concerns with anyone as big as her in here? And probably it took a while for them to get her to say, yeah, I, she's actually the largest person I've ever, I've ever, um, trained. And they, then they made her say it in like a complete sentence. I remember the first time I realized that, uh, production a producer would be like asking you questions and then make you say it and, and prompt you to say it in a complete sentence it was the challenge uh i think amaya from hawaii i think her name was amaya you know who i'm talking about she's very sorority girl she was like in love with some dude in, in the house you know she came there to be to fall in love i guess um and you know, I just remember her and like, I mean, real world Hawaii. I just remember her and like pedal pushers, like <laughs> cropped. You know what the fuck I'm talking about? Like pants that just like go past, just past your knees. Capris, I guess. And like wedge flip flops. I mean, she was wearing a lot of shit that the Olsons were, sh were, were selling at Kmart at the time. So, and she had like butterfly clips in her hair. She was very, <laughs> anyway, so she was on the challenge and I'm sure she had to do, she had to do something where, I think it was eating pig, getting, bobbing for pig's feet. I think it was something like that. And she said she couldn't because she's Jewish and she doesn't eat pork. And apparently she had been eating like, I don't know, some McDonald's thing that had bacon on it. And so they, they wanted to be like, haha, bitch, you're a liar. <laughs> and so they show footage of a voice asking her, what did you eat this morning? And her saying it and saying what it was. I don't know. What'd she say? A bacon, egg and cheese McMuffin or something like that. And 
they were like, okay, but you have to say it in a complete sentence. And so she was saying it, but she was like saying it with a question. And they were like, no, you have to say it. They were just prompting her the way that she had to say it. But she never really said it the way they wanted to, so they had to use the footage this way. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, that someone is prompting you to talk this way. It, it was like, you know, it's hard for me because... I, like, I was looking at a new Chinese food place, and, like, I'm looking at the reviews, and I'm like, oh, these three are fake, that one's fake, to counteract this one. This Like, <laughs> it's very obvious what's fake uh, to me now, but if I knew less, you know, you can't unknow what you know. Um, I, I'm sorry to keep talking about intervention, but this season of intervention, like I said, is very good. But in the last one that came out, I believe the girl's name is Erica, um, they are dealing with COVID stuff, but they're dealing with COVID stuff in a way that I find compelling, uh, that, um, someone being forced to quarantine with their, with their mother who they have issues with and their entire family starts using heroin again, like that quarantining, it, it affects your mental health. Um, in this Though, one of the things that happened to this girl when she was about 14, she was sexually assaulted. And, she, you know, she she has uh, immigrant parents and, you know, first daughter, immigrant parent. There's a lot of shit there. And they were really hard on her and really, like, didn't allow her to see, be around boys and didn't allow her to do this and didn't allow her to do that. And so she wasn't allowed at the time to have a boyfriend. And so when she told her mother a couple of years later about being sexually assaulted, her mother was like, well, if you hadn't broken the rules, you just wouldn't have happened. And she didn't tell anyone else. So, but they're trying to like, the show is trying to show that these other people do not know, like, that she's had a sexual, I mean, she, she's, a lot of things have happening. She's been escorting, she's been kidnapped, she, like all kinds of shit. But... So they're trying to show us where the they're in production, like they have her sister and her brother and stuff saying, and production, the producer sitting there going, do you happen to know of any, if she, if she has any history of sexual assault or, or molestation? And it, again, I know this, but it just reminded me that when they do interviews for intervention, first of all, the, the part that we see is so small. Um, from the family members, it's only an hour long show and you've got to show them like using for a fucking least half of it. And so, but they interview them quite a bit. And one of the questions, someone has to sit on a little stool outside the camera and say, so have you ever been molested? Have you ever been sexually assaulted? Have you ever been abused? Like, and I'm not saying that the person that does that job is like a ghoul or whatever. I'm just saying, think about part of being your job is to sit next to a camera and ask questions like that and then ask follow-up questions to get all the information from it so that they can make a good show around it. I don't know. I, it's just, I don't think I could do that job. I just don't. So where was I? Um... So Charlotte Trainer, the trainer's gonna work with her. When she gets back to the house, Gareth is annoyed. He doesn't think she should spend that money. He doesn't think he tells her that if she wanted to lose like start working out, she could 
she could work around the house, like push the vacuum cleaner. Gross. He also says he's going to, like, he says he's going to get something to eat. And she, like, they're trying to figure out what they're going to eat. And Hannah's right there. And Jalen says she wants a salad. He says, I'm not going to buy you a salad. Which is like, what the fuck? If I, if you're going to buy something to eat and I ask, why wouldn't you buy me what I wanted to get? And he says, I'm not going to buy you salad. If you want to eat greens, you can go in the garden to graze. Uh, Which is both unnecessary and hurtful because I mean, you know, he's, he's what, what grazes cows, right? And cut animals. This is just his behavior. And so Hannah's getting upset. She's standing right there and she says their fighting makes her so frustrated. I bet Gareth tells her to take her frustration out on the vacuum cleaner. What is his obsession with fucking vacuum cleaners? He asks, Hannah asks, Jalen, why did she marry him? She goes, why did you marry him? And Jalen says, well, because if I didn't marry him, I wouldn't have you, Hannah. And she's like, so it wasn't worth it. (laughs) And Gareth says, no, it wasn't worth it. And Hannah goes in her room. But before, when she goes in there, she leans out and she tells, because I think as she was going to her room, Gareth said something like, you're just like your mother. So she leans out and she says, she's glad to be like her mother. And Gareth says, oh, you're like her, all right. And Hannah slams the door. And the voiceover, Jalen tells us that um, she knows she needs to make a change in her relationship, but she doesn't think she can do two hard things at once. That's real. But I feel like I would have left Gareth before I would have got the surgery. I feel like I would have left him and then got the surgery. He... It's and it's not the surgery, guys. Like I, I know this is billed as um, he's an unsupportive husband and he's so mean to her because she getting the surgery. I don't think so. I think he's like that all the time. I think he's kind of mean to her. And Jalen does have, have do a lot of things with sarcasm and stuff like. And so I bet that when she met him, it was more like, oh, that's just a sense of humor. That's his sarcasm. That's his blah blah blah. And over the years, I was like, oh, actually, he's a dick. <laughs> um, so. The next time we see her, she's lost almost 200 pounds and she's less. She weighs less than 400 pounds. She's in the threes. And she's telling the camera that she's looking like she feels healthier. She moves better. She's telling the camera that she looks at food as a fuel rather than an activity to do, which is a hard thing to train your mind. So good for her. She's eating tuna and avocado. So again, like I said, it's a hard thing to change your mind, to to like retrain your mind to do. And this is again why Jalen is a model fat person here. She's doing everything everyone told her to do. She's losing weight despite this bad husband. And she's like, Changing her mindset. And that's, you know, that's what every, you know, when someone's telling you that you need to lose weight, that's what they're hoping you'll do. And she's doing it. I'm not saying she's wrong for doing it. I'm just explaining, like, why one of the reasons people like her a lot is because she she feels deserving of this. So Garrett walks in and is like, what the fuck is that? Because she's eating tuna and avocado you know, he's always a party pooper. And she says she could very easily go back to where she was, but she has to do this. 
she and Hannah have a goal of doing a 5K and she wants to make that happen. So she does a hike with her trainer. It's like a half a mile hike where they stop at every bench and do arm exercises. And she feels great about that. But when she leaves, she goes to McDonald's and she gets a Dr. Pepper. She's not supposed to have the Dr. Pepper because, well, it's sugary. That's one thing. You're not supposed to have soda. And it's considered a snack because it's in between meals. Um, but the carbonation also is bad for that surgery because it can, it really will stretch out your stomach. She says that it hurts when she drinks it. Um, but she says that sometimes she has to break Dr. Now's rules to have a little joy in life. So when she gets home, she tells Garrett, guess how far I walked? And he's like, three feet, ten feet. Gareth is such a fucking asshole. And she's doing laundry and he's like, oh, are your legs and knees hurting? He doesn't even offer to help. He just stares at her while she's doing all this shit. Um, by month eight, Hannah and Jalen go to Dr. Now. She is the same as she was last time. She's just under 400 pounds. He questions her about her diet and she's in sticking to it. And she says she's sticking to it, but she does admit that she's drinking soda. He's telling her that's not on your diet. That's not good for you. And she kind of uses Hannah to, to validate feeling like, oh, well, normally I get water. I don't get it all the time. Normally I get water and tea. And Hannah's like, girl, <laughs> why are you asking me? I'm a kid. You know, Dr. Now's unimpressed. She's cheating to him. It's like, you're cheating. You're going to stretch your stomach. About a year into it, because they were following people over a year, Jalen is able to, to get go back to that playground where she couldn't go with Hannah. And she's able to sit on a swing. And she even says to Hannah, have you ever seen me sit on a swing? She's like, no, I haven't. And it's like a big milestone for her. She also... She also... Goes back to Dr. Now. She's lost a total of 250 pounds. He tells her pretty soon she'll be under 200. And she feels like that's that would be amazing to her. She hasn't really been under 200 since high school. She never got to do the 5K because uh, she twisted her ankle. She's like in a, a brace. Um, but she's going to use that day anyway to spend time with Hannah. They make spaghetti squash, which... What is that? Is that squash with spaghetti in it? Or is that spaghetti with squash in it? Uh, anyway, Garrett tasted it and said it's not bad. He's surprised by that because cooking is not her forte in life. Get him off my fucking screen, guys. Uh, Jalen talks about leaving Garrett, but she doesn't know how she, when she's going to do it. She says the greatest joy in her life is Hannah. and She's the reason for all of this. Two weeks later, she's wearing a pair of jeans. She hasn't worn a pair of jeans. She was... For seven years. And maybe this is pandemic me talking. But I don't want to wear a pair of jeans either. And she takes Hannah horseback riding. And Hannah rides not Jalen. And she ends by saying she's a work in progress. And she hopes she's showing Hannah she can do anything. So I look for updates for 2021. I know that she did a update in 2016. Uh, where she talked about being um, a little depressed when Hannah's not there. Because she's divorced Gareth. And Hannah goes to see uh, you know, that's her father. So she sees him. Um, I'm glad she divorced Gareth. It would have been very easy to stay with him. But I also think that like, even though he's been like this all the time, Gareth, I think seeing yourself on TV with him and getting the comments of strangers really puts into perspective, like, Actually, this is really bad. You know, you can do a lot of things over and over again if nobody knows you're doing them. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, uh, I had a friend who lived alone for many, many years and when she was single and what she would do every day when she got off work is come home and just get in the bed. <laughs> like put on her pajamas and lay in the bed until like eat, like bring home fast food, eat it in the bed and go to sleep and like watch TV until she went to sleep. And she started living with her now husband and it never even, like, she didn't even think about it. And then one day her husband was like, he was a boyfriend at the time, was like, hey, uh, so you just, like, come home at 5.30 and go to bed and, like, are in the bed from then on? And she was like, oh, shit, I do do that. I think when people see you, it's much harder to pretend something's not happening. And so being on TV, having, like I said, having strangers, even people she know comment saying like, I saw you on TV and like, oh my God, what the fuck is up with Gareth? I think it really put a, a nail in the, it killed the, like it was done. Um, she's dating someone. Um, she looks like she's lost quite a few bit more weight. I saw a picture of Hannah. Hannah's grown so fucking much. And yeah, she looks happy. She does. She looks happy. She continues to be. It's interesting that uh, she started off being like the poster girl for fat acceptance, like the fat rock star, the the one that's like, you know, fat is beautiful. And now she's like the poster girl for this surgery and losing weight and being a success and trying every day. And, and that um, that makes things interesting. Okay, guys, that's it for the day. Um, I will catch you next week with another episode of My 600 Pound Life. If you have suggestions, make sure you comment either on the Patreon post or the Instagram post of this so that um, I can see them. Later. Bye.